This is another episode of Connecting the Dots. And this is Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hi, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and I'm the Chief Medical Officer at Baptist Memorial DeSoto. And hello, everybody. I am Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for the Baptist System. Well, today we are very honored to have Dr. Alan Robinson. And many of you, uh, if you're not aware, he's written two books among many books. We can learn more about him. One that a lot of people know is Ideas Are Free and The Idea Driven Organization. He's done a lot of work with NEA, uh, located in Northeast Arkansas, and just really has uh, been all across the world and been known for this space of the, the idea system. Uh, as we get started here, Dr. Robinson, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you work at? And uh, just a little bit about who you are. Okay, well, I wear a number of hats, but I uh, one of them is I'm a professor at the Eisenberg School of Management in uh, University of Massachusetts, uh, which is sort of the flagship campus like University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, Berkeley. We have a lot of universities, but UMass Amherst. Um, I do a lot of writing, as you said, I've written 13 books. Um, I say 12 because 13 is unlucky, but, um, and they are in the space of uh, lean, continuous improvement, uh, innovation, performance. I, I think of myself today as a, a specialist in high performing organizations. So I enjoy working with the really extraordinary uh, performers. I grew up in Scotland, I'm half British. Um, I did my university over there, came to Johns Hopkins, uh, where I did my PhD, and uh, now I'm here. And I do enjoy working with, I do work with organizations all over the place, um, and that's a lot of fun. Dr. Robinson, um, your books, um, Ideas Are Free and, and the uh, Idea Driven Organization, um, I mean, those, they're, they're great books, and my question is, is that how, you know, when we talk about types of waste, you know, the, a lot of people say the number one uh, waste is unused talent. And of course, part of that is is not taking the ideas from from the people in your organization and using those. And, and you know, in a big organization like like Baptist and other other in, in all sectors, you know, a lot of times the ideas are generated at the top mm -hmm. and, and then they are cascaded down to, to the front lines. How what are some strategies that, that big organizations that are like big ships with, with small rudders? What, what, what are some strategies to engage, you know, ideas being generated at the point of care or at the at the point where the value is being in being generated because you know a lot of times things I hear is that well I, I make suggestions and nothing ever happens okay. so um, I, I would just like your thoughts on that sure well you asked a huge question there um, so first of all your your question assumed correctly that management's the problem not frontline employees uh, there is a lot of data um, to show that most improvement that's available to an organization like your own um, is it rests with people in the front lines. The, the 
the numbers uh, and it's astonishingly stable across uh, big innovation all the way down to small Kaizen improvement. Uh, 75, 80% of your potential improvement lies in uh, in uh, your frontline, at the frontline level, and only 20 to 25% lies with management. So where I start is uh, getting senior leadership educated so that they can get away from thinking they have all the answers when, in fact, most of the improvement potential is buried deeply in the processes and the way of working. And, you know, we there, there were some wonderful ideas when I was uh, with you, uh, Skip, working on the idea system. I remember one that saved several million dollars, and it had to do with uh, some complex phone coding thing that was delaying everybody when they were, but it delayed everybody in the organization by 30 seconds, you know, three times a day. And you've got X, you know, number of employees times that. So it's not just that there are many more frontline employees, it's that they're dealing with the processes in which, with which you do regular work. And those are by nature repetitive. So if you figure out a way to do a vaccine, you know, 20 seconds quicker, well, that across a whole hospital system translates into a lot of stuff. And if you pile that up over time, uh, that's where you start to see, you know, the uh, really high performance. So it accumulates because the ideas you have are given by a lot more people. They're at the pit face of, you know, of the processes that you use, which are used repeatedly. So that's where the 80% comes from. And, and m most managers worldwide have no idea that that's the case. They think they have all the answers, if that helps. So it's an education so, problem usually for senior management. Yeah, so you know, a lot of my job uh, as the chief medical information officer, I help with the coordination between the physicians, medical staff, and the technology side of the house. And a lot of, I get a lot of ideas and I solicit a lot of ideas from physicians on things that they would like to see improved. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I run into is not that the ideas are, are not good ones, it's that the limitations on how we can implement the ideas given the technology constraints. And, and it reminds me of something I, I tried to do early in my career. I thought I, I was our my medical school president. And so one of the things I wanted to do was take our paper directory of our of our class and put it online and, and make it into like a, a Facebook type thing. And so I, I worked with our um, department and I really thought I was going to be the Mark, next uh, Mark Zuckerberg just in the medical school work. Um, but, but my idea, it may have been a good one, but uh, the end product of that idea, the way it was implemented, uh, didn't really fit the vision and it kind of fizzled out. Um, I've seen a lot of that you know, with ideas that have come up, uh, given the limitations and the technology and the ways in which we have to implement them, you know, what sort of things have you seen and, and you know, what are your thoughts on just the difference in a great idea and the implementation of a great idea? Well, you made me think of a number of things, but again, uh, another big question. Um, I go back to, there was a, a study uh, that was done in INSEAD, actually two of them, um, that sort of, for me, articulated what's going on in this, this space. Um, the, a, a good idea system, even for physicians, then there are places that have, you know, good idea systems for physicians. Um, the, it's, you don't deal with ideas, you deal with problems. So when you, if you know the classic suggestion box, that's where you, in the old days, now they're all online, even worse, but 
you you write your thing on a piece of paper and you stick it in a box and then jokingly nobody looks at it but when they do it's impossible to implement the modern processes and you asked me a question which combines the answer combines understand tricks to modern processes as well as kind of leadership issues so i'll do the tricks to the processes first um deal with problems you say here's a problem and then an individual or a set of individuals come up with a problem and then the group solves them that's the way the modern processes work so you wouldn't just say i see because when you proposed your idea and i'm, I'm not saying it's good or bad but uh a, a an idea is a problem plus a solution so very often the in fact most often the people who have the solution are not the same people who see the problem so when you go in a suggestion box mentality which your sort of uh, scenario there implied which is i have an idea let's do this you've got you're giving them a package so the trick is to tease that package apart and say here's the problem we are using paper directories and they're difficult to distribute and you know and then a group of people, including some of your technology people, there's a lot about how you enable the uh, have the right people in the room when you have these team meetings. Um, uh, will say, well, here's a possible solution, and typically you come up with three or four possible solutions, and they work because you've got more eyes on it than just one person's opinion. Uh, there's some very funny statistics if you look at how, for example, during full moons, suggestion box administrators will tell you they get really whacked out ideas because it's just one person's opinion for what to do about something, if that makes sense. So you need to, you know, communicate what, uh, and it's it's absolutely fair game, uh, and people do feel nervous about this, but it's, you need to communicate what kinds of ideas you can have. Uh, so, you know, somebody could just say, write in a suggestion box to be ridiculous that uh, we should uh, open a branch of uh, Baptist on the moon. And that doesn't help anybody. But you say, here's what we want. We want small ideas that, you know, make things smoother and or we want, you know, ideas that improve the patient experience that don't cost a lot of money and are easy to implement. You can put constraints on it and tell people within those constraints, here's what we need. Now, if you're looking at a broader picture, if I was the leader of your organization, I would say, why is it so hard to implement? Why are we bottlenecking on the technology side here? Um, let's do what a lot of companies have done and set up a special unit that helps implement ideas for people to, you know, just bottom up ideas. So Dresser Industries, for example, has a six person unit in Canada and all they do is respond to employee ideas. You can say, I need this in Epic. You probably have an Epic help desk, but you know, I need this change made. Uh, it would be so much better, uh, and they will uh, usually respond same day and do it within a week. You know, but the leadership has to say we need that. We need to create that experimentation capacity. That, that's very interesting. You know, almost like having an idea department. But yes, you have to be careful that it doesn't go back to your original question, and it's the department that has all the ideas. It's exactly that exactly. enables the whole organization and every physician to say, we have a problem, how can we, you know, who are the right people to fix it? Or we have an opportunity, who are the right people to address it? Where are the bottlenecks? What's holding things up? And as, as you said, um, Jake, that, that you know, so, you know, in my case, it's the technology. So it sounds like you need some IT people dedicated to, to this, if that's in fact a, a general bottleneck. And in a big organization, it seems like sometimes yeah. that, that the ideas get bogged down just in the, 
I don't like to say bureaucracy, but but really the bureaucracy of, of the organization and, and somebody will say, well, let's let's get a committee to uh, look at it. And, right. it, and it's it just gets lost in committee or it gets gone away. That's, yeah. So what you're thinking about there, that's really a suggestion box question. And you have to understand that suggestion boxes are the sort of ultimate evil in this space. I actually. Right before the pandemic hit, I was just finishing a project in Venice, Italy. Um, I was on my last two weeks and it was in the archives to, to document something. I've had a lot of people working for me over there to document that the world's first idea suggestion box system was in 1311 in the Venetian arsenal. And most companies still use that. And what you just described to me was a classic suggestion box approach, meaning I suggest it goes to a committee, the committee decides. That's not how modern processes uh, work. You know, you you need to, uh, so I would be, when you ask that question, I would be looking at what are your processes to move these ideas, uh, you know, forward. And uh, if it's just ad hoc and no system, of course you're gonna, uh, you know, if, if you had no system for where you stored your medicines in the hospital every time I wanted some, Penicillin, maybe a bad analogy. I'd have to call a committee and say, yeah, "There's a drug called penicillin." Well, no, you have a dispensary. You've got a system that's designed to, you know, smooth the way. And you can do the same for ideas. And a lot of companies have. If you don't have processes, then they're they're going to come up against the wall. So, mm -hmm. so to use your use your term system, because we like to talk a lot about systems, <clears throat> and I know you and I have worked a lot in the past. You know. Is it fair to say um, that when you have a good system, some of those ideas, the the uh, the folks on the front lines are just going to there'll be some process where they can just implement them, and then mm -hmm. others they'll need to be escalated because of the nature of the idea because that's part of how that system works. Is that a fair statement? Sure, um, absolutely. So every high performing system I know has a system of escalation, meaning uh, that we can implement this at our level in our hospital with what we have, or it needs to go upstairs or it needs to go to a you know subject matter expert. So you have mapped out where things go, just as you do with treatment paths and other things to make them, you got to think about it in, you know, in advance. Um, so there are certain things that can be done at the frontline level. When you can do them at the frontline level, you should. So one of the principles about escalation is be very sparing with, you know, what why people are escalating stuff, because when people escalate, you need to think, and, and you're watching things on scale, you need to think, are we giving them the right powers to, to do things? They know best what's going on. So the farther it gets away from the front line, the less, first of all, it's gonna take longer, because usually what happens is management sends some consultants down to figure out what's going on. Well, the frontline people, who are they going to talk to? They're going to talk to people who put in the idea, and then they're going to recommend what those people tell them to, you know, so it's really not, uh, the escalation can be uh, a cop-out. So you want to push things down so that wherever possible, the people who have the idea and can implement it are, because they have the best solutions as well as the vision on the problems. But Yes, ideas do require more authority. They, uh, sometimes they're cross-functional. There are good reasons to put things up and you'd better have that mapped out. Uh, so otherwise, as as you said, it's going to, uh, they're gonna hit a bureaucratic wall. It just seems like bureaucracy because most organizations are not set up to do this. So it becomes an ad hoc, you know, pay attention to me kind of thing 
instead of a cool, smooth process. I like to think of it like uh, the water line on a ship. You know, as long as it's above the water line, bang away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and let them experiment, let them figure it out. If you get below the water line, you know, you got to be a little, you got to be a lot more careful. And I guess the, the, the trick is finding that sweet spot where the, where yes. the actual water line is. That, that's a, that's a wonderful point. Uh, and I've run across it at other hospitals and I, I guess it's to some extent in yours is that you have to be, when I said ask for the kinds of ideas you want, you also have to be very clear what people's authorities are. So you can't just go, I'm being ridiculous here, but, you know, try a new vaccine on a patient because you think it might work. You know, there are things that when you're changing things, you have to check things and, you know, and, and make sure it's the right, right action. Uh, and people have to know what those are. And in every organization, they have those kind of here's your space and understand that when you get into this space, like patient safety or we need to check or other things in your context, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to make very sure. I've been uh, watching, uh, I have a new book coming out, and it's, uh, we've been watching the Denver, Colorado uh, legalize, that was the first city to legalize recreational marijuana. And the number of problems they had to solve uh, on the front lines, uh, um, just with how you know the electrical grid was being taken down by all these ultraviolet lights, and bakeries were burning down because they were making hash oil and all kinds of crazy stuff. So. They had frontline suggestions, and that was the bulk of their improvements. But when they knew it was a safety issue or ran up against a regulation, they knew to check. So you've got some training here. So you don't put in an idea system with nothing to back it up. You train the leadership. You train the people involved. You set up the right processes so everybody knows what to expect. I think it's true of a system to do anything. It's just that most organizations don't think about it for ideas. You know, one of the things we, we, we call this connecting the dots, and I actually had a a dot connected for me this week, knowing that we were going to talk to you this week, uh, a 40 plus year veteran from Toyota, they were interviewing him and he, he, he communicated that sometimes in the Western world, people misunderstand what it means when they talk about respect for people. Mm -hmm. And he went on to say, it means respecting them as a whole human being, their intellect, their creativity, their opinions. And, you know, that's, if you think about it, that's really what strong idea generation systems do is it gives people a voice and it allows them to express that God-given creativity that they already have anyway. You know, I always make a joke. I say the whole reason that we have Hobby Lobby all across the nation is because everybody's creative. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a disconnect sometimes. But anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Sure. Well, you know, creativity is a fundamental human attribute. And if you look at the um, statistics as to why people leave their jobs, it's it's typically uh, I, 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 I'm not, I, I don't feel I have respect to the organization. I don't feel I'm heard. I don't feel I have an impact. Um, and uh, pay and all that is like six and seven on the scale. And the idea generation solves all of those problems because if I listen to your idea, I respect you. I give you a chance to have an impact. You have a voice, you know, and so it's a, it's a wonderful, it, it tags very closely with uh, morale and with uh, putting the spring in people's step for sure. So remind me, I, I was telling Dr. Mason, I remember in one of your books that there was a company in Brazil that 
they made something as exciting as uh, aluminum cans, if I remember the story, but they produce something like, I want to say 50,000 ideas a year. Am I getting that story somewhat correct? I'd have to do the math to verify it, but because I think in terms of ideas per person, uh -huh. because, you know, some really terrible companies do 50,000 ideas per year. That's just that they have two million employees, which means you're really not listening to them. Uh, Brazilata gets uh, it, uh, 192 ideas per person, um, which, uh, and they implement 92% of those. So it kind of works out to about three per week, and they're all small, or many of them are very small, but they accumulate. And this is Toyota's insight. Um, you know, if you listen to Jamie Bonini, who we both know, you know, he'll say the Toyota system is 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 not one, it's not management driven. It's not one big thing and, you know, a, a huge investment in technology. It's it's uh, it's millions. It's the summation of millions and millions of little things. And that's the genius, I think, of a, of a modern idea system is you don't look for improve. Most improvement is invisible for you as a leader and you have to enable it. And then not a lot of leaders have that training or expertise. That's why it's so rare. To find well, it. well, that and I remember you uh, educated me once when I was uh, several years ago. I was in the process of working with our friend Patrick Gropp to uh, healthcare rise TWI job methods. And uh -huh. at the time you told me, you said you're going to learn that TWI job methods is what I call an idea activator. And mm -hmm. wow, has that come true because as you question the details of the work on the front lines with the real people that do the real work, the answers to the questions, the why, the what, the where, the who, the how, becomes mm -hmm. the ideas that we can then go experiment with. And that was a huge connecting of the dots for me at that time. Yeah, so idea generation, to, to generalize from your comment, it's really a it's not setting up a system and then walking away. It is a pact with your physicians, with your nurses, with your everybody that says, we're gonna constantly provide you training in how to see more things than you currently see. And so JM is kind of a special case as is JI because those are the two programs that kicked off the TPS. You know, if you look at, if you go back in history and I've interviewed a lot, I know the guy who took TWI to Japan and he died recently, but. Uh, Lowell Mellon, um, and if you go back and they, they all they say the Toyota production system grew out of JM and JI. That's where it came from. Uh, so it's not surprising that it's frontline. You can find in JM, as you know, uh, look for all this. Don't look for the big things. Look for all the little things you can improve and just relentlessly hammer away at those. Uh, and I don't think that's in our sort of uh, management body of knowledge yet. You, you talk about training training people to to see, you mm -hmm. know, problems or or training to see things that generate ideas. What is what does that look like? I mean, what 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 specifically? What type of training? Well, um, it looks like people sitting in a room. Uh, it can look like people uh, in their daily meetings getting a five minute. You know, here's something you might want to look for. So I've, I've used idea activators that are as simple as a one minute. And this would not be necessarily in your context. Or it could be. It could well be, actually. You say, um, every time a customer's confused, 
do you understand when your patients are confused by something that you like a, a website that's poorly thought out or a form that's vague? Do you realize that that doesn't just inconvenience them? It costs your people time. It puts a load on your organization because now you've got to explain to them. And I remember one of the very first ideas at NEA Baptist was on the was it the seventh floor? There was a uh, pe- there were people getting off the elevator, uh, and they were looking. You had the neonatal something on one side and the cardiac ICU on the other, and you had a lot of people from neonatal wandering in saying, "Where is my?" You know, uh, they what they wanted neonatal, but they wandered into the cardiac. <laughs> and the first idea that came out of that idea system in that team was put up a sign with a little stork that way. <laughs> and it solved a lot of problems. And you think, oh, you know, we don't have time to do that. But think about the nurses on the front line who'd have to say, excuse me, sir, I know what the problem is. You know, you're in the other side. This is ICU, you know, quite apart from the danger of it all. Um and that took a little load off. So confusion is a very simple uh, one, right up to three, four hour training classes um, on uh, so that people learn. I, I, w- I was worked with one organization that was went after falls. For example, why do people fall? Uh, and they got a there's a top guy in the United States in the uh, who studies why older people fall, why people fall in hospitals, and how to do it. So it's kind of benchmark. Uh, you know, how do you stop people falling? And he gave this organization a ton of ideas. And, and, and he didn't just do it to the leadership. It was to all the employees. So ideas poured in that, you know, we can, we have better ways to prevent falls. So falls went way down. Uh, Bumram Red Hospital in uh, Thailand, one of the best hospitals in the world, um, has a lot of idea activators to do with reducing infection. And their infection rates are uh, like a tenth of any other hospital in uh, you know in their, in their region because they train their people and then say give us your ideas back for how to apply these thoughts. You know, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did, you did, and uh, I, it just made me think about uh, when we had uh, Stephen Spear on this podcast. He, you know, I kind of posed the same question to him, and he says, "Well, just just ask the people, you know, hey, what what stinks about your job." You know, how much stink do you have to deal with every day in your job? Yeah, I hadn't actually thought of what well, literally meant stink, but uh, making your job easier is one of them. You can ask another. There are some very simple ones, just single questions where you train people on why these are important to think about. Uh, how often do you get interrupted in your work? Mm-hmm. You know, start thinking about that. And then you can put up, you know, well, the reason I'm interrupted is because people think it's down that hallway. Put up a sign. So. Actually, in service organizations, um, when you start an idea system, one of the biggest sources of early ideas is signage, because the frontline staff are spending half their time directing traffic and dealing with confused customers, and they sort it out, you know. Um, so uh, with 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 signs. So I worked with a hotel in Sweden. It's in the book, the Clarion, uh, and they had I think it was nine hundred signage ideas in the first six months to help people navigate their hotel and casino. And that sounds sounds trivial, but every time you put in one of these signs, it lifts 25 minutes of labor. And now you can go do something useful with it. And eventually you get into innovation. It's gonna keep them at the blackjack so, table too, if they can get there faster. <laughs> so I was gonna ask, you know, you mentioned earlier that one of those organizations had 50,000 ideas submitted a year. I think it was much higher. If we do well, the math, well, even so, twelve hundred employees times one hundred and ninety-two ideas. It's hundreds of thousands of ideas. Okay, well, I mean, 
either way, that's a, a lot of ideas. And so my question is, what are the best practices for how to prior, prioritize which ideas to implement first? You know, for me, we kind of group the ideas that come in to me based on, is this going to affect patient safety? Is it going to affect a, a regulatory issue? Uh, and we kind of try to implement those first and then, but the vast majority are, are do not fall into those categories. And it's almost a first come first serve or which ones are easiest to implement first. I, I just wanted, was curious as uh, your experience, how to um, prioritize ideas. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. Um, the first thing is obviously you set the goals for what kinds of ideas you, underlying any great idea system is, Here's where we're going. Here's what we want to accomplish. Here's a metric that, you know, stinks to use your language <laughs> right now, and we want to improve it. And so we're looking for ideas in that space. So you can direct and you should direct for people's attention to what's strategically important to you. Now, I'm speaking to you as a top leader there, but if you're a frontline person in a, in a unit and you have 30 people in your unit, you say, well, what does the unit need to, to do? So that's one thing. Um, uh, a, a low level answer to it in terms of just practicality is you vote on it. Once you've said, here's where we need to go, then you recognize that you're going to get far more ideas than you can possibly do. If I were to ask you to list of uh, all the things, I mean, you have a wonderful backdrop, but uh, all the things you'd like to do on your house, you know, uh, if you had unlimited funds and money and time, um, you'd probably think of a hundred things, but you guess what? You have three hours this weekend. So you got to pick one. So prioritization is is a good thing. And the modern processes don't just say, well, it goes to top management, top management decides or committee decides. They say the people on the front lines, you know, the doctors and nurses on the front lines, they vote for which are most important for the team to work on. And then the ones you don't vote on, you just leave on your list of to-do items. Um, so you're constantly, uh, but voting is a wonderful way to do it because it brings a lot of perspectives in uh, and and you you pick the right thing to do. You know, uh, just to, as we as we start to kind of bring the session to a close, you know, it seems to me that um, you know we're all having this shared experience across the world with this pandemic. And um, as we come out of this pandemic, uh, most of our habits and routines have been completely wiped out like a tornado. And um, it seems to me that idea generation could be a very powerful system to get us back on our feet uh, for several reasons. And this is my thought, and I'll let you critique it. One would be it's a relatively easy lift. You know, words, I don't have to uh, go and do this big improvement effort. I just need to share my ideas. I need to share my creativity. The other thing is it does something good for the heart, right? Right now we have people that are hurting. They're in a lot of pain. They're, they're feeling the weight um, all across the system. And so it feels like that an idea generation system, underlying the word system, can really be powerful as we, as we, come through and out of this pandemic to revive our spirits and to encourage us and to make a significant impact. Have you thought much about that during this pandemic? Oh, yes. I've been involved with a lot of, you know, COVID response stuff. Um, and the way I would put it is 
you know, anytime you want to move to a new situation, the currency that you move with is ideas. Everything around us is, except for the trees outside, are um, are uh, the skeletons of previous ideas. So wherever you want to move, and it could be coming out of the pandemic, it could be going into the pandemic, it could be where, it, anything, you need ideas to get there. And then what you have going for you is that People want to give ideas. Humans, you know, it's 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 uh, one of the most important human attributes. Uh, Arthur Kessler, in his book *Act of Creation*, uh, said that there's a hierarchy of needs. It's kind of a generalization of Maslow. Uh, the first is food and drink and shelter. Then sex. And the third is creativity. You ha and and so that's why it's it does light up a place when you do this. It, it moves it forward and it makes people happy to work there. And and I just hope that we don't forget. Uh, once once we do get out of this pandemic that we don't forget that, you know what, we got a lot of stuff done during, during this year mm -hmm. and we had to figure a lot of stuff out and we had to do it quickly. And there were a whole lot of great ideas that were generated and we trimmed the fat. We we implemented them. And, you know, I, I just hope and pray that we we don't revert back to to the way we were uh, pre pandemic. Isn't that interesting? Because you brought up the idea of ideas hitting a bureaucracy and lack of, and then the one place where you sort of, you know, let it rip, you go, that was great. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, well, Dr. Robinson, I just want to thank you personally. Thank you so much for being a friend. I know you and I serve on some other things outside of Baptist. Uh, uh, and so I'm just so thankful for you and your friendship. Uh, and if you can't tell me, that's okay. But I was going to give you an opportunity to give a plug. Do you have a, a name for your new book that will be coming out? Yeah, but it won't be the final one. Okay. Uh, right. So I can tell you what it's about. It's a, it's a book where we went around the world and we studied the best practice in continuous improvement in government. Mm. Um, mm. And there are some amazing, in fact, it was one of the punchlines is, some of the cases we found in government, even in the United States, where we have lost a little faith in our government, not a political statement, just saying of its effectiveness mm -hmm. and efficiency, sure. um, that we found examples where we've never seen anything as good in the private sector. Wow. In many ways, government is ahead. And so we've kind of abstracted why that happens and what you do to make it happen where you are. Well, we look forward to that. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for coming and spending time with us today on Connecting the Dots. My pleasure. Thanks, Dr. Robinson.